said that the next time we talk to you may be an emergency podcast. And Nick, here we are. Uh, welcome to Lamenting the Leafs. I'm Cam, and we have a trade, my friend. Oh, baby. Oh, 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 this is a big one. Um, so let's just get into the details before we uh, talk about all the implications here. Ryan O'Reilly is a Toronto Maple Leaf. He yeah, is he acquired, is. technically acquired from the Minnesota Wild. It's a three-way deal. <laughs> so coming from uh, coming to the Leafs is Ryan O'Reilly, and he has been double retained. So Minnesota was linked in to facilitate that. So he comes in with a cap hit of one point eight seven five million, which is t- Hasty. Uh, Nola Cherry also coming from St. Louis and Josh Pilash. I, I'm sure it's Pilar, more like Kevin than, than Carl, but uh, you got to give me this. So uh, the Leafs shipping out to, to bring in this package uh, Adam Gaudet, minor leaguer, um, Mikhail Abramov going the other way as well to St. Louis, both of them. Uh, a first round pick this year. A third round pick from Ottawa for this year as well. Uh, next year's second round pick, and the Blues in order to uh, facilitate the extra retention and taking on some of that O'Reilly salary, they get a fourth round pick in 2025 from the Leafs. That would be the Wilds. What did I say? You said St. Louis to facilitate the. Oh, Minnesota. Sorry. Um, I'm just too excited about Ryan and Ryan to care about the rest of this. Uh, that, that's and, really and, it, right? Nothing else really matters here. <laughs> frankly, like this is the kind of I, I'm stoked about this return, and I, th- I think that the the response has been largely positive to this. There is a first round pick moving out for you know what could end up being a, a rental. Kyle Dubas has already said that you know they don't intend to negotiate with Ryan O'Reilly immediately. They're going to let things play out a little bit here first, but um, you know it could end up being a rental and a first round pick going out the other way. But hard not to be excited about, um, you know, both of the players coming back, frankly, because we'll talk a bit about Achari a little later. But I mean, Ryan O'Reilly, this is like a a proven playoff performer. This is, you know, a high end player, a a guy who plays, quote unquote, the right way. You know, this is this is exactly the kind of guy that everyone has been clamoring for for years yeah i think he's just such a perfectly seamless fit into what the leafs are are doing here they've garnered a lot of praise for the way the entire team is bought in defensively and how much uh, the help has come from up front you know in terms of supporting the the defenseman and helping to move play the other way and and ryan o'reilly is among the very best that we've seen over the last couple of decades as far as being a two-way center and providing that defensive value but he's more than just a defensive center too this is a guy who can score he can set up teammates i know uh, looking at some of the underlying numbers this year he's maybe suffered a bit uh from his line mates not being able to kind of convert on some of the chances he's been creating but if you look at the chances that he's still generating there's a lot of offense left in this player i I think the way that it lengthens out the leafs lineup is it's far and away the deepest group that i can ever recall seeing the leafs put together And, and you said it cam this guy's a proven winner he's led his team to the top of the mountain in the past uh as kyle dubas noted in his presser earlier today uh, this is a Conn Smythe winner, and that's arguably the most difficult and prestigious individual award to, to win in the NHL. So I think 
it just checks so many boxes. I'm really interested to see how they kind of try to put the the forward group together now. There's a, a lot of center depth, uh, more than I can ever recall seeing uh, with this club. So it, it's going to kind of have a bit of that Team Canada feel when you see the best on best international competition. Just the, so many centers and, and the the options that it, it provides the coach when putting his lines together. You're going to have some guys playing on the wing probably who are natural centers, and I, I just uh, again very excited about this deal and what it means for the, the group moving forward. And we'll get a look at it right away because uh, O'Reilly yeah. and Acharvi both expected to be in the lineup for the Leafs Saturday night against Montreal. Um, so we'll see what uh, I mean, you know, the lines can obviously change a lot between now and, and game one of the playoffs. But uh, as you said, lots of options and we'll get the first kind of look at, uh, I, I guess, what what Sheldon Keefe's kind of initial thought is with this lineup uh, on, on Saturday night tonight. We're going to get this out quick. So uh, <laughs> our, our reaction, pod, it's not an emergency unless we uh, we make it an emergency and get it out. So uh, b- big game tonight. We're, we're looking forward to uh, seeing O'Reilly in the lineup. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about the return before we talk more about kind of, uh, you know, where you slot him in and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, when we had our podcast earlier this week, we were talking a little bit about the potential returns and, you know, lots of talk around Matthew Nyes and, and which of the top assets we're going to move out. And obviously the first round pick goes. But aside from that, you know, one of the things that I said was you look back on, on some of these big trade deadline deals in the past and when it's a, a rental player, a lot of the prospects are, are just guys who are, you know, their stock isn't ascending, right? It's guys who kind of leveled out a little bit and, and you know, maybe a little bit more of a project, but they're not guys who are kind of rapidly, you know, climbing the, the prospect rankings generally when we're talking about these rental moves. And, uh, you know, Abramov is, is I, I don't think, a, a player that anyone's really going to no, sweat. He's, he's fallen off yeah. in, in the last couple of years, for sure. So, I mean, and, you know, uh, as we said, Goddad is, is basically just a, a contract going the other way. You know, the picks are picks. Like, I, I, I can't get... Uh, too worked up about anything moving out uh, on the least part. And frankly, I think that the given the double retention, they, they might have uh, underpaid, if anything, in my opinion. Yeah, well, if you really break it down, the, the deal kind of shapes or shakes out like a uh, first and a second to acquire O'Reilly and Achari. And then the, the third and the fourth are basically paying for the retention. And at, at this point, like you said, Gadet is simply a contract going the other way to make that work. And I think at this point, Abramov is little more than that as well. Uh, he's he's certainly lost some of the shine uh, that he had coming out of junior. Um, I, I had him previously as one of the, the Leafs' top 10 prospects, but last year, it was his first year of pro hockey with the Marlies, really struggled, was probably tasked with a little bit too much. Um, this year, came in off an injury, started a little bit late, and just hasn't really been able to, to to solidify his place or solidify uh, his role and kind of make the impact at the pro level that looked like he was going to be capable of in his last couple of years of junior there. So I I think this is just trying to make the contracts line up. I don't consider Abramov to be any kind of significant loss. Uh, He was my 19th ranked prospect in the system in my most recent mid-season rankings. So there's really no loss there. And in terms of what they gave up, at, at this point of the Leafs build or whatever you want to call it, I'm trading picks over prospects every day of the week. You're talking about guys like Matthew Nyes is someone who could be stepping into this lineup at the end of this season uh, and almost certainly will be a, a 
regular member of the lineup next season. And you've got Topi Niemela, who's, you know, close to making that jump over to North America. You can even include Roni Hervin in that as well. And then Fraser Minton is one of the other top prospects in the system. And you managed to hang on to him while getting this big piece of business done ahead of the deadline as well. So the, I, I think there's just a, a very clear win for the Leafs in terms of what they gave up. And again, going back to our uh, show earlier in the week, I referenced the piece that I wrote for the Leafs Nation, kind of tracking down the the picks that the Leafs have traded ahead of recent deadlines. And going back to that, the, those picks haven't really turned into much of substance, at least at this point. You can go all the way back to when the Leafs acquired uh, Jake Muzzin and gave up their first round pick in the 2019 draft. Uh, the Los Angeles Kings selected Tobias Bjornfot at like 19th or 20th overall. And he is still yet to grow into a regular member of their lineup. So for a team that's very clearly in win-now mode, giving up picks that aren't really going to have an impact on their lineup for the foreseeable future, obvious way to go. Especially when it's going to be the 32nd overall pick. Uh, <laughs> at, at, at first blush, where do you want to see O'Reilly line up? Like, I, I think that I start him at third line center and, and shift him to the wing. Like, shifting him to the wing is more like an experimentation play if that doesn't work out, or, or like loading up the lines when, when you need a goal kind of thing. I, I think I would start at 3C. What, what say you? Yeah, I th- that's a really interesting question. Um, something I'm really curious to see uh, when the, the lineup comes out for Saturday night's game against the Habs. Uh, I'm curious whether this would facilitate uh, a bit of a move to the wing for Tavares, maybe not on a permanent basis, but in those situations where they're looking to load up the top six and, and you know push for a late goal or even potentially locking down a late lead with the, the defensive ability that Ryan O'Reilly brings as well. I, I'm curious to see whether they kind of try to load up that top six with any kind of regularity or if they're more focused on letting this move lengthen out their lineup as i mentioned earlier because you've got a third line led by ryan o'reilly that's a bona fide top six center uh it's it creates some difficult matchups for the opposing teams and i i just i I think it 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 really solidifies the depth throughout the forward group and and makes them tough to match up with against anybody tampa and boston included so uh, i think initially what i would do is i would probably try and go that route with the with lengthening the lineup and have him start at 3C and maybe have Yaren Croak back up with Tavares and Mariner. Uh, I think we've seen that he's able to be productive in that role, at least to some extent. And he's not a player that's going to hurt you playing top six minutes either. So it, it, it's more a question of whether how many eggs they want to put in one basket, so to speak. So the, the one thing about this deal is they made it a bit ahead of time. Uh, it, it's going to allow Sheldon Keefe that extra bit of time to really figure out how he wants to deploy this group when the postseason rolls around. And the other thing about getting this deal done early is, you know, we talked about it earlier in the year. There's a lot of big names that were rumored to be on the move, but we've seen in the last couple of weeks, some of those names starting to come off the board and there wasn't really a whole lot of high end talent left to be rumored on the move. And I think the Leafs did really well to get out in front of this and get the guy that they wanted and the guy who's the perfect fit to their lineup. Uh, and they weren't going to be left with a chair when the music stopped. Nola Cherry is an interesting 
part of this deal too because you know we were talking Do you remember before, how much we fucking hated that guy in the Bruins series <laughs> oh man? my god it, we were talking before we started recording and and you know this is like a it, it almost gets lost because he's part of you know the the big move right but but this yeah. would be a, a depth move we'd probably be pretty excited about uh you know standing on its own a, a guy who like you, you know what he's going to bring right like he, he's going to be nasty he's going to bring a defensive style of play he, he's going to play in straight lines and and it's you know he he's as you said been a, a pain in the arse in the playoffs in the past so you hope that that's that's what he's going to be for the Leafs too yeah I really really like that the Leafs were able to get a charity included in this deal for a number of reasons uh, most of which you just outlined but another big thing that I, I think is kind of going under the radar here th- this is a guy who's 54 percent on faceoffs so far this year kills penalties the Leafs haven't had that right-handed face-off option since Spezza's departure, right? So you look down their lineup, it's Matthews, Tavares, Camp, Holmberg, all lefties as their primary face-off guys. You know, you see Nylander take the odd one on his strong side here and there. But now they've got that viable option, you know, if they want to throw out for a strong side draw on the penalty kill or late in the game, they have that option. And I don't think that can be you know, overstated because that kind of thing matters when the the clock's winding down and you've got a one goal lead and a defensive zone face off on the right hand side, you you want that option. We saw how often Sheldon Keefe used Jason Spezza in that role over the last couple of years. So I think that's something they were missing and a charity is going to provide that uh, along with just being a really hard nosed, annoying player to play against. He's got 10 goals this year. He's scored at a 20-goal pace in the past. Just a really nice, tidy piece of business to get him included in this deal. Yeah, and, and I think that, like, you look at the Achari penalty-killing side of it, like, I think that it'll help down the stretch with kind of lightening the load a little bit. Like, yeah. in the playoffs, uh, you know, power plays are, are fewer and farther between, right? Like, so it, I, I'm thinking about Mitch Marner when I'm talking about this. Like, he, he, he plays so many minutes, and if you can lighten that load a little bit, down the stretch keep him a little more fresh and then you know probably when you get back to to the playoffs you're going to want him out there on the penalty kill because you know it's not like it's going to eat up 10 minutes of ice time for him in a game or anything like that and and, you know you want your your impact guys out there but if you can kind of lighten the load a little bit down the stretch and certainly have guys that you know are are there in a pinch on the bench and you know Achari's going to be a part of that penalty killing unit I would think moving forward uh, when he's in the lineup but that's the other thing like is he is even going to be in the lineup every night like they they have such a a wealth of options at the bottom of the lineup now it's going to be really interesting to see how they deploy it yeah well I think this kind of might close that revolving door that we've seen in in the bottom six, particularly on the fourth line. Uh, It's hard to imagine Joey Anderson being in the lineup over Noel Achari at this point. Uh, So I I think that's kind of something that the Leafs wanted to address as well. It seems like they've really been searching for that fit in the bottom six. They've given a number of Marlies an extended run there to to try and solidify that spot. And I, I think that... A cherry is going to be the player that ultimately does solidify that for them. He just he gives you so much of what you want out of that bottom six. He could even potentially be a player who knocks Aston Reese out of the lineup every now and then, just because he's a bit of a 
you referenced it before we started recording this deal kind of felt like the rich man's version of the the Felino and Riley Nash deal where yeah. I, I think a cherry might be a little bit of the the rich man's version of Aston Reese in in a similar sense just a guy who plays hard straight lines he's going to finish every check he can drop the gloves when needed but he's also a guy with a little bit more offensive upside can also play the middle. So I, I think, yeah, that's just a really, really nice addition to it, it. just It solidifies the whole forward group and the options that they have moving forward is what's really exciting. Yeah, and I'm curious what you what you think it means for the rest of the forward group generally, um, not just in terms of the lineup, but in terms of like how things might break down over the next few weeks here. Um, you know, we, we talked plenty about Alex Kerfoot in the last, you know, I mean, two years basically when we talk about <laughs> who might move out salary wise and, and can be replaced. But if anything, I think that this deal makes it less likely that we see a Kerfoot move. You know, you've got O'Reilly in now with double retention for under two mil. This is how your forward group looks and you didn't have to sacrifice Kerfoot to do it. I, I think that Dubis will probably be more motivated than ever to try to keep him on board because it like, Obviously, he's a luxury if you've got him in the bottom six. And if he settles in like on the fourth line, it feels like too much money, which we've talked about. But like it's too much money if that's your plan in the offseason to start a season. If he's a luxury you have at the trade deadline and heading into the playoffs and you can afford it fucking go for it that's that that's what i say like i i mean i i think that kerfoot is like like we said a guy that could be uh, you know swapped out for someone cheaper but like i, I don't think that you're going to get a, a better production or better impact like he's he's still a very good player he still does a lot of things out there for you he you know kind of pales in comparison to some of the guys he's playing with sometimes but uh, he's a very solid player and a consistent player and, and i think that it, more than anything this is probably just going to nail down his spot there yeah i tend to agree with you cam i think Kerfoot's obviously a player that the club values more than what maybe the hive mind on Twitter does. You just you look at what you can do with this guy. Maybe he's not the most perfect fit in the top six, but he's still a player that you can throw into that top six when need be, and he's not really going to hurt you. I know some people will point to a couple of the mistakes in the Tampa Bay series last year, but you know, for the most part, this is a player who you can slot in anywhere in your lineup, and he'll give you at least solid minutes. Uh, the one thing I'd be a, a little weary of is, is lining him up with O'Reilly. Uh, I mentioned earlier that O'Reilly's maybe been a victim of his line mates struggling to convert on some of the chances that he's generated. And yeah. I don't think don't it, burden <laughs> him with that. <laughs> yeah, if, if anyone on this team has struggled to convert on chances this year, it's definitely been Alex Kerfoot. But that, that's not to take away from what he has provided to this team. He's just a, a really solid, versatile piece that can kind of fit anywhere in your lineup. And yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the only way that I see Kerfoot being on the way out at this point would be if the if the Leafs are still getting heavily involved in the the defense market and trying to make a significant a significant upgrade on the blue line that's going to require that cap space that Kerfoot's currently tying up. And uh, obviously we're still a few weeks out from the trade deadline here. Um and we expect that we'll see something else. I don't know exactly what, as we said, you know, the big move is probably done and the depth forward move is probably done. So, you know, based on our recent discussions, I guess we're looking for a defenseman trade. Yeah, I think that would be the the next piece of business that if the Leafs are able to get anything else done, that will probably be what they're looking at. I would assume this is it for the forward group. Uh, I mean, it's hard to imagine what other addition they could make up front that would 
you know, knock anyone else out of the lineup that they currently have. Uh, but I, I'm still looking at that back end, and I think there is still a little bit of flexibility left for the Leafs if they if they're able to kind of nail down a target that fits the the appropriate price range that they're able to kind of shop in right now. But looking at their current roster, um, Matt Murray's currently on LTIR. In order to activate Matt Murray, all they'll have to do is reassign Joseph Wall and Eric Schalgren back to the Marlies. And they're able to run a 23-man roster that includes uh, Noel Achari, Ryan O'Reilly, and having Matt Murray back off LTIR. So without any money going out, their options are probably a little bit limited, but they do have a little bit of flexibility. You know, you send down or you wave Jordy Ben or you wave Joey Anderson, you're adding 750 grand to to the approximately 600 grand that they have in cap space right now. So, you know, you get into that defenseman market, maybe you're moving a piece off your roster like Justin Hall, or as we just mentioned, Alex Kerfoot, if the, if the upgrade is significant enough, but yeah, it, it's that's definitely the area of focus moving forward. I think they're going to still be trying to look for that kind of butcher type of defenseman that just uh, kind of lengthens out their defensive depth chart the way that they have with their forwards. And I could really see them going kind of any which way with it, like anything from a Jake McCabe down to like just a you know a Luke Shen depth type of guy. Like it, I, yeah. I'm not really sure what to expect here, but um, I, I expect we will see something. But I. I I think that we can probably safely say Matthew Nyes is now under lock and key. You can order your yeah. jerseys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If if Matthew Nyes didn't go anywhere in the Ryan O'Reilly deal, I think it's pretty clear. And like you said earlier, the, those prospects don't typically move in these kind of deals anyway. The only way that I think Matthew Nyes was ever going anywhere was in a potential Timo Meyer deal. And even then, I think with you know the uncertainty around whether they'd be able to retain Meyer long term, I think that's something that they would have been hesitant to do. But the fact that they were able to get this big, massive piece of business done that just, you know, check so many boxes for what they needed in their lineup and what they were looking to add ahead of the deadline. And just to do that without losing any of your big time prospect capital, it's just a, a really nice piece of business, especially for a team that's in win now mode and is going to need those cheap contributors coming up in the next couple of years. I think being able to hold on to those players, in particular, Matthew Nyes, it was a, a really nice piece of business. Been envisioning Ryan O'Reilly in, in Leafs colors for a long time. And it's going to look fucking that, perfect, man. Knowing that that fucking jersey is already printed and hanging in the stall. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. No visor, gritty looking old guy. You know, I, I think some people are maybe forgetting that Ryan O'Reilly is a former Lady Bing nominee, but that doesn't mean that he's not a difficult player to play against. That, that comes in a lot of different shapes and forms. And, you know, he's he's well-established uh, reputation as being one of the, the very best defensive forwards and most difficult players to play against in the league. So it's, it's just a perfect fit for the Leafs. Again, going back to how much this forward group has grown in terms of being uh, defensively responsible. It's just a seamless fit. It's not like, you know, if they had made a trade for a player like Tarasenko, you're hoping and guessing that he's going to be a fit alongside one of Austin Matthews or John Tavares in the top six. With Ryan O'Reilly, I just think there's so many options and so many different places that he could fit in and so many different players that he could play with and make them better. It's, it's, 
one of the the biggest deals, arguably the biggest deal that Kyle Dubas has made, especially considering the stakes of this season. Um, but I, I'm thrilled with the swing that he took, and I, I think it's going to pay off. Yeah, agreed. I think that having one, two, three down the middle like that, that is uh, – it's a strength that that really cannot be understated in in this game, and, and probably can't be matched by too many teams either. Like, how many teams can can match up with Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Ryan O'Reilly down the middle? No, it's it is a you know putting your cards on the table kind of move. Like, this is the kind of move that has other teams in the league likely saying, "Oh shit, we 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 gotta we gotta yeah. keep pace, right?" Yeah, and with the chips that the Leafs have pushed in here. I think it only makes sense that they would push whatever remaining chips that they have left into the pile as well. So you make a move like this, you're obviously going for it. You're all in. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the next couple of weeks shake out and seeing what else the Leafs might have up their sleeves in terms of improving this roster before the postseason. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be a fun stretch run working through the lineups. And and, uh, yeah, I'm... I got the juice. I am. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I'm ready to go. What? I. I. I don't know. I was uh, dozing off on the couch when when the, <laughs> the news came through Friday night. I was uh, had a, approximately one point two beers, had a, a few <laughs> puffs, and just watching the the new PGA documentary on Netflix, and and just conked out. Came back to, and a couple of minutes later, the trade comes through, and, and then I was wide awake for a few hours after that. Yeah, I was just getting ready to head to bed as well. Uh, slightly inebriated as yourself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, what I thought was really funny was, you know, we're always following these insiders and trying to, you know, figure out what the Leafs might be up to. And what was it, like 30 seconds before Leafs PR broke the trade on Twitter, Elliot Friedman said, I believe the Leafs and Blues are working on something. <laughs> so it's like... It, Kyle Dubas is operating in a code of silence. Um, there's really not much getting out of that front office until just seconds before it becomes official, right? So I, I think not to get too caught up uh, on what the insiders are reporting is probably a good strategy to to avoid disappointment or whatever. I know a lot of people were kind of up in arms over the last week and a bit thinking that the, the Leafs weren't going to push their chips in to make this kind of big move when the the talk was coming out that they wouldn't trade their top prospects or a first rounder for a rental uh, you know it just goes to show that d- don't take everything at face value don't get worked up before uh you have to and kind of let things play out and again looking forward to how the rest of this plays out over the next couple of weeks and into the playoffs man like I'm just kind of circling back on this again you, you look at what was a real bugaboo for the Leafs against Tampa last year was we got crushed by their bottom six. And, you know, with these additions, I think that really, really evens up that matchup, right? Especially if they're going to be using O'Reilly in that three C role. It's yeah. I'm really excited, man. Really, really excited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I, I was trying to think about when the, the last trade that got me this fired up and and it's been a while yeah it would have been Fnuff. owen nolan or <laughs> owen fucking nolan. brian leach <laughs> yeah it's been a while since the leafs have taken this kind of swing at the deadline this is a big one yeah uh well thank you sir we'll uh, we'll get mr whipple's thoughts early in the week and we'll uh, we'll look back on the first couple of games of ryan o'reilly toronto maple leaf Whew. get excited folks yeah.